0: welcome to part six of the fincher countdown from some like it scott i'm your host scott harvey and today on the podcast we'll be hoping our decrepit bodies will someday turn into brad pitts in our review of david fincher's 2008 epic the curious case of benjamin button by we i of course mean two other people who look great for their age scott shelton and jay habib how's it going guys
1: i don't think i look too great today it's early (laughs) scott (laughs)
2: we're throwing out compliments for 8 a.m when we're recording
0: I mean, I figured if if we're all here, we might as well sort of try to boost the morale, you know. <laughs>
2: Appreciate fair, that. Fair enough. Yeah, doing pretty well. Can't complain too much. We're two thirds of the way through David Fincher's filmography, which is weird because it, it feels like this one's flying by faster just because uh, I, it's a little little behind the curtain look. We're doing we're doing this as as quickly as we possibly could, doing a movie every week. Whereas like Nolan Countdown was spread over like four or months. five months yeah. when we recorded it. So there's like real space as that one combined. So it's like weird to think that I feel like we've only been recording these episodes for a month and a half because that's what it's been. And we're like almost done. And I'm like, whoa, countdown series can go this fast. Well, but hey,
0: what is time? I think that's a question asked by Nolit Movies and by this movie as well. But anyway, uh, yeah. Jay, how are you?
1: Ridiculous. Um, I'm good. I made the the questionable choice yet again of watching the film the night before we recorded. So that I could stay up all night thinking about it again um, in a very different way, of course. And yeah, I, I won't say too much more until we get into it, but all else equal, I'm all right.
2: Jay, Jay wants to keep it coy. He'll, he'll give us his thoughts after we stop recording. The,
1: de- the, de- <laughs> the definition of insanity
0: is what Jay is doing, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. But. <laughs> I mean,
1: my, minor spoiler. If I do that next week, it'll be fine, because uh, I know very much how I feel about next week's movie. Sure, yeah. yeah
0: but, so, <laughs> yeah, I think we all do. But, uh, all right, guys. Well, following the box office failure of Zodiac, Fincher returned merely a year later with The Curious Case of Benjamin Button adapted from the fantastical short story by F. Scott Fitzgerald. The film tells the story of the titular figure who is born in New Orleans at the end of World War I with a unique deformity. He's prematurely old. As a result, Benjamin, played in various stages of makeup by Brad Pitt, ages in reverse, transforming from a wrinkled, barely mobile old man to, well, Brad Pitt, and then finally to a child. Raised in a senior care facility by Queenie and Tizzy, played by Taraji P. Henson and Mahershala Ali, Benjamin comes to live a fascinating life in which he meets a range of colorful characters, like a drunken ship captain, played by Jared Harris, the alluring wife of a diplomat, played by Tilda Swinton, and Daisy, played by Kate Blanchett, a childhood friend who resurfaces in Benjamin's life over time. As Benjamin undergoes his unique physical transformation, those who he loves must reckon with the implications of his reverse aging as Fincher explores time and mortality in his sprawling two hour and 45 minute film. Jay, we'll start with you. Did the curious case of Benjamin Button sweep you away with its decade spanning story? Or did you feel as if you were aging every year along with Benjamin?
1: The latter. <laughs> um, and I think we have our second case of a movie that might have fared better as a miniseries yeah um i mean there was just so much to cover in this but unlike zodiac which you know i still found like gripping and left me wanting more i uh, swing and a miss on this one it 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 just felt like it dragged on and on and for most of the movie most of the movie i felt like you know this movie is trying to tell me something but i can't quite grasp what it is and uh, i mean in the last hour i feel like that that becomes a little more clear. I mean, they, they get a little less subtle with, you know, the messages I feel like they're trying to convey. But I don't know, that first hour 45, like, you know, s- uh, just swinging a miss for me.
2: Yeah, I'll say I'm not quite as far into the camp of Jay. I think one of the things with this film is that, and, and I think Jay started to get at the point that I want to make more explicitly, is that, like, the first 45 minutes of the film for me, I mean, excruciatingly boring. Like, I just found the first, like, 30, 40, 45, minutes I think it turns a little bit when he starts to actually age and start to get on, go out on a few adventures and it starts to get progressively more interesting but those first 45 minutes man is I I, don't know, I was so bored I was just so bored watching the movie and it's a remarkable feat I feel like for after an incredibly boring first 45 minutes how absolutely enthralled I was uh, by the last hour and one of the things that I found maybe the most frustrating about the movie is that the first 45 minutes feel like they take place over, you know, a really relatively short amount of time compared to the last hour where yeah. it seems like that's covering decades um, very quickly at times in the last hour. And I find that really frustrating because I find that all the rich material of this film, maybe the stuff that Jay's talking about here about the movie becoming less subtle, subtle and, and more interesting things to think about all happen in the last hour. And it just feels like it completely skates over it. Um, which is a shame. But at the same time, I I think the movie still did a good job of captivating my attention in the last hour. And I certainly think um, this would be a much better miniseries than it it is a film. And I think the performances are, for the most part, really good. I think that's what really delivered on thin material in the last hour of the film. Because the movie is just not, for me frankly, the movie is just not exploring very deeply anything. In the last hour of the movie even though the topics are really interesting and i think Kate blanchett and um brad pitt and even some of the supporting cast here are really fantastic in, in this movie and it's it's a real shame that uh i'm sure there's hours of, of footage that was left on the floor of uh the editing bay here um and it, it's a shame that this isn't a miniseries because i think that there really is a strong case for this to be made a really compelling miniseries yeah,
0: I mean, I'm with you on that. I think it's in this weird place, right, of of being too long for a movie. Um, yeah. Because you know, two hours forty five minutes—that's long for a movie, and and you know, it's not interesting in every single part. It doesn't—it doesn't have the same, you know, grip like Zodiac did. Um, but also it's not, it's the, like the pacing is off, which is what you're talking about, Scott. Like it, it's moving too quickly at times. I mean, look, it's, it's very hard to tell the story of someone's entire life in a two hour and 45 minute movie. And I think that's why the pacing is, is thrown off. Um, and yeah, maybe some of the more interesting parts of the movie get, um, kind of go by the wayside a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, that, I mean, that, when I, when I describe that, that to me sounds like perfect fodder for a miniseries um and nowadays it probably would have been it probably would have been really interesting but you know what at the end of the day I still like this film I, I don't think it, it, like it pro- it's probably the weakest film we've talked about so far well other than Fight Club um but um other than Fight Club for me this this is probably my least favorite but I still enjoyed it I think I'm kind of with Scott I wouldn't say like excruciatingly boring for the first 45 minutes but yeah the best stuff is in the second half of this movie and in particular the last hour i think there's some really like sort of moving scenes in there as we get more into the relationship between Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett's character i mean i think that is kind of the driving force of the movie and there are other episodes which are kind of just like i mean like you know he goes to world war 2 and but that's like what 15 minutes or something like he's in the, he's in the war on um, on this ship that gets blown up for like 15 minutes um and and, that, and that's it the war's over i mean like that, that's just you know part of the problem like you could have done a whole episode on this if it was a mini-series, right um and there are just other things like when he comes back to Queenie and Tizzy's place and well it's just Queenie's because Tizzy has died but um and she has had a child right and there's the whole like oh this is your brother type of thing you know that sort of dynamic and that's just that's like two minutes right there's they don't explore that at all and like that was something that was really interesting to me like what, what would the relationship have been like between these, these two characters, obviously one actually born of Queenie um, the other one, you know, adopted, cared for by Queenie and who also has this, you know, weird deformity thing Um, that would have been an interesting relationship to explore. It's not really explored in the movie, but um, I, I think it's still compelling. Like as much as there were parts that were, weren't that interesting it, I, I mean, you know, maybe I just ha- I have become good at preparing myself for really long movies when I know they're going to be really long. But it, it didn't uh, like I wasn't checking my watch too much during the movie. Like um, I, I thought it wrapped up kind of when it, when I was ready for it to wrap up. Um, and obviously, you know, when it's about to wrap up because of how he's aging. But um, but yeah, like I, did you watch in multiple settings out of curiosity Into Yeah, I, I mean, I watched like the first. 45 minutes or something in the first sitting and then i probably watched the rest of it like after that which you know is a lot
2: for me (laughs) yeah no that's what i did as well and i I think that made it more bearable that i didn't have to then sit through two hours after a really boring first 45 minutes but yeah Yeah. jay i wonder if you had if you sat through it straight
1: no, I, I did the okay. same thing, actually, where I watched the first maybe hour by itself and then the next uh, hour 45. I'm uh, slowly bringing seven. you over to the light side. <laughs> this is the way to watch movies. No,
2: um, well, if the movies are that boring in the first 45 minutes. I got to turn it's it off. So I, I, mean, I, of it.
0: I think the inter- an interesting thing to look at with this film, right? Because we didn't talk about this last week and I wanted to bring this up and it just slipped my mind. But as I mentioned there, Zodiac was not a box office success, right? And even more than that, it was not an Oscar film, and and they, were, they had originally planned for it to be an Oscar-like candidate. And, you know, if you look at Zodiac on paper, yeah, sure, this looks like it could totally be a, a film that the Oscars would pay attention to. But, you know, maybe because of the lack of commercial um, success for the movie and just the fact that it didn't turn out to be a very commercial film altogether for the reasons that we discussed last week with it being... You know, sort of exploring more of the mundane aspects of police work. You know, being long stuff like that. Um, it didn't get any Oscar attention, um, and so it seems to me like, look, I'm not saying Fincher didn't want to make this movie or he doesn't like this movie or whatever, but it seems like to me he's respond. He's like coming back to the studio and being like, okay, now I will make. Uh, I don't even know if it's the same studio, but uh, I now I will make just a straight up Oscar bait film because I mean this is this is a pure Oscar bait film. Um, But I think that um, I think that it's still more interesting than your average Oscar bait film, just because of the inherent story is more unique. I mean, like, you know, Green Book or the King's Speech, whatever being like your average Oscar bait film, maybe, which is literally like we're going to take the story. We're going to do the least interesting adaptation of it that we could possibly do here at least the. Uh, the inherent story is interesting enough, I think, to where you're you're still fascinated to watch it play out. I think Fincher, yeah, this doesn't have the thematic depth of some of his films, but, you know, he's doing a little bit here with, I mean, time and um, mortality and, um, there yeah, there's some psychological stuff going on in the back half that probably could have been better explored, yeah. But, um, b- but yeah, so I think it's more successful than your average oscar film, but it is funny to see, like, after Zodiac, um, that he's kind of like, okay, one for, one for me now, one for you, uh, kind of like Nolan, you know, with, with making, uh, his, his crazy movies, but then also big studio movies and stuff like that. But, um, but he comes back just a year after Zodiac, right. With another almost three hour long film. Um, and this one, you know, did get Oscar attention. It won, did it, I think it won a couple of Oscars maybe, um, like the makeup one, um,
2: best no it didn't win, oh, didn't win makeup. It did. best art direction and best visual right. effects
0: um but it was nominated for all the big oh sorry it won it won best makeup too. Yeah, i apologize I three
2: okay. three awards it for 13 nominations was... yeah,
0: right and it was nominated for all the big ones i mean 13 nominations that's a lot of nominations you know a lot of acting Fincher was nominated like yeah this this got nominated for everything um so in that regard it was a, it was a success and it made its money back in the US did pretty did actually quite well over, overseas and and ended up making about 300 million or so worldwide um on like a 150 million dollar budget i think because of how expensive i guess the visual effects were for this but um
2: but anyway um i mean so many of the shots in the film are just pure visual effects it looks yeah. like they're just shooting on a green screen yeah um, was an interesting choice
0: but yeah so so it you know again it's interesting to compare sort of um, when artists are have different priorities in mind in the projects that they're making, maybe. Um, and I think he, in both cases, in both Zodiac and uh, this film, he probably achieved maybe what he set out to do. Though I think for us, with differing layer, you know, in terms of like he's created a, a product that is successful on different levels for us. Uh, maybe not successful at all to Jay's point. But um, but anyway, we can, I think we can get into the cast now. Um, because obviously this movie has has a pretty large cast. Um at the same time, maybe not as many people playing significant roles as you know you might expect. There, there there's only kind of a few um people who continually resurface over the source over the, the course of the story. But uh you have Brad Pitt obviously playing Benjamin Button, you have Kate Blanchett as Daisy. You have uh, Taraji P. Henson as Queenie. Those are the three Oscar-nominated performances right there. All three of them got nominated. Um, and you have, uh, you know, Mahershala Ali, I mentioned. Cate um, Blanchett
2: didn't get nominated.
0: Did she not? I thought she did. Uh-huh. That's a shame. Um, Julia Orman. So so one thing I haven't mentioned, right, is this whole sort of narr- narrative that is sur- surrounding the film, right? Which is that the older Daisy Titanic-like. Is, yeah, telling the story of her relationships with Benjamin, telling the story of Benjamin uh, to her daughter as she is basically on her deathbed and uh, Hurricane Katrina is approaching um, in New Orleans. But uh, Julia Ormond plays the daughter there. um, And there's a few other people. You know, I mentioned Jared Harris, whatever. But um, Scott, we'll start with you this time. Who stood out for you from the cast? Um, Did you think the performances were strong across the board?
2: Yeah, I, I do think the performances were strong across the board. If I had to pick two, it would actually, it would be the two, Oscar nominees. It would be Brad Pitt and Taraji Piansen. I think probably at first, just because her role is, is a little bit more focused at the beginning of the film where Brad Pitt hasn't really quite taken on the role yet because they do have these other actors for playing the very, you know, I guess, the apparent old versions of Benjamin Button I think is the way that you describe it. So at the beginning of the film. So Taraji Piansen, I think, really stuck out to me. This is like one of her first major film roles, right? Yeah. So this was like a real breakout moment for her early on to be Oscar nominated in one of her first major roles in a film. And I think she like fully deserved it. I was really surprised to see Mahershala Ali. I did not realize he was in this film. Uh, So this also had to be like a super early role for him, uh, him as well. Because I think House of Cards is, I mean, not like what five or six years after this is what really broke him out. 2012 or so. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, I I think Taraji P. Henson was phenomenal, honestly, for the first part of the film. And then of course she kind of disappears, really doesn't comes back for a couple moments. I'd say after he departs for the you know living the life on the tugboat and then going to war, etc. But yeah, I really enjoyed her performance and appreciated it. And I don't know, it just felt really authentic. I felt like she really, I, for someone who I think has such a large personality now and and is kind of no like at least I I think that if you watch her in this role, having not seen her and and only knowing her like cultural significance, etc. I think that you'd really feel like she's kind of melting into the role almost and really just kind of becoming this character and i think that's the hallmark of a really great performance when uh what you're what you can only really see the character right and i think that's exactly what i felt when i was watching taraji P. Henson here and then i mean brad pitt's spectacular honestly like he's just amazing in this in this movie i think that um it's i i guess he's only been in what two other fincher movies but i think this is his best performance uh of of the three in my opinion and it's, it's a close second with seven but He's phenomenal uh, in this film. I I feel like Scott, you make the comment whenever we review a Brad Pitt film on something like it, Scott, that he's kind of a character actor in a A list superstar's body. And I think that you really feel that in the, in this movie. I think that this is like such a character performance, especially when you compare it to any of the other movies that he's done with Fincher, right? Like Seven or Fight Club. Like just totally different, doing something completely different with his craft in this movie and the the subtlety in this performance and the understatedness of so much of this performance, I think really speaks to the breadth of skill that he has as an actor and his, again, weird to say for someone like Brad Pitt, because it's impossible not to also see Brad Pitt in every performance of Brad Pitt, but it really feels like he becomes this character of Benjamin Button. And um, I don't know. I just had a lot of appreciation for that. And I think that, His performance and Taraji P. Henson's performance early on, and and also not to leave out Cate Blanchett, but the the chemistry between the two of them in the latter half of the film really deliver those emotionally moving moments that I think you're talking about, Scott. Because on paper, I think if you just read this script, I don't know that you'd get a lot of that emotion, honestly. I just think it all happens so quickly. I don't think it can really deliver the emotional punch just on paper, but they make it happen. And uh, I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, as a, as a brief uh, aside, I I think um, I like that they cast like a big movie star in this role because I think part of it is like they they want they want the audience they want us as the audience to also be sort of like whoa uh, you know as as the character is changing over time like when he becomes you know Brad Pitt this iconic like. Um, a movie star that everyone knows, it's like, whoa, all of a sudden it happens. And that's how the, the characters in the movie are reacting too. So I think it does a good job of putting us in that place by casting movies. star. obviously at one point, Tom Cruise in like the early '90s. this movie was uh, trying to be made for like over 20 years, but Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise were going to do this at one point in the early nineties. Um, but Spielberg went on to do Jurassic Park and Schindler's list instead. But, um, and Scott here, this is another tidbit you might find interesting at one point, spike jones and charlie kaufman were going to do this uh film which i think would have been a totally different movie maybe a more interesting one actually but um but it probably it probably would have
2: totally probably would have been completely out of order if charlie kaufman did it or yeah like maybe. yeah i could i could see that but uh anyway oh, but where's I, spike jones when's the last time he made a film her was his last film yeah, Jesus.
0: oh no actually i think he did some, some he of did the aziz
2: Zanzaris Jack- comedy special the, i know the the that
0: jackass movies i don't know if he directed those but he's in them but anyway um jay how, how about you your thoughts on the cast
1: Taking a moment to digest what you just said, because, yeah, I think the inclusion of the the big name actor there, like that that first scene when we get like fully de-aged Brad Pitt and like the white tee and the jeans just mm-hmm. sailing on the boat in this perfect weather. And you're just like, oh, my God, like the yeah, oceans
2: 11 Brad Pitt.
1: Exactly. Like I, I see the effect you're talking about.
2: Also, TC legend in this role. Oh, man,
1: <laughs> that would have been really good. I would have loved it. Would that, have been. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not complaining. Of course not. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Scott hammered home the big two. I'll give uh, some time to just talk about Kate Blanchett. I haven't seen her in too much, um, and you know, I thought she was actually like, you know, pretty good. And again, like you, you said it right, and that they kind of gloss over a lot of things. But I think you know, she and Brad Pitt in the limited time they have in that last hour, you know, really do bring home those scenes. I think she's a big part of that. You know, I hope my partner, who's an actor, doesn't overhear me saying this because she might think I'm crazy. But um, you know, the way Kate Blanchett, I feel like, changes her voice, you know, to, like, kind of, like, you know, over the decades that we see her, and, you know, especially, you know, at the end um, of her life, like, I, I just, you know, I, I really, like, buy into that, because, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, the de-aging, te- or the aging or de-aging technology, depending on where we are in the film, like,
2: it's just makeup. There's no there's no de-aging technology. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Okay, well, then the makeup, you know, I, I moderately distracting, but, like, didn't pay too much mind to that. It really, you know, is the performances to me. Like, you know, Brad Pitt's, like, face when he's trying to act younger, or Cate Blanchett's voice when she's trying to act older, like, you know, those, those things to me, like, really stick out and make the performances memorable. Again, even if I feel like they were skipping through a lot.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think
0: Cate Blanchett is really strong here. I think she's on the same level as the other two performances for me, which I agree with Scott about, I think are, are excellent as well. But I think there's a sadness to her performance, which I really like and was one of the the qualities that I really liked in the, the last hour, how it, you know, sort of confronts the, the sadness of like the fact that these people really don't have that long to be together. Right. Because um, there's like this one, you know moment where the stars have literally aligned right and they're kind of the same age but then you know they're going to be um you know he's going to become young she's going to become old there's he says that line of you know you can't take care of both of us or, or you know about the her and him and the child or whatever once she you know it says that she's pregnant um but i really like that scene in particular right where for it, i think it's kind of a beautiful scene where he starts out and he's like just watching her in the dance studio and she's like having trouble doing the stuff that she you know was able to do because she's getting older um and so he's just kind of watching her and you know obviously thinking about hey i'm you know i'm going to start getting younger and this is what's going to be happening to her what's you know what's that going to do for our relationship and then um you know he tells that he goes out there she tells him that she's pregnant and there's like that one moment that where they like look into the you know mirror whatever on the wall and it's like let's remember this moment as like you know this this might be the last time we were happy um, because after this, things are going to get, you know, kind of, kind of strange. And obviously, you know, they end up separating whatever, but I think that her performance in that scene is, is really, um, is really moving because, you know, she's the one who's going to be getting older and um, yeah, she, she, she's having to, to confront, you know, something that she can't control basically. Um, in, in both regards, the fact that she's going to be getting older and the fact that Brad Pitt is going to be getting younger. Um, and I think that's a really just provocative question that the movie, you know, asks about, hey, you know, I, should, should these people stay together even, you know, when um, when their ages start to, to rapidly change? Because, you know, is age simply this physical thing? Um, and like, you know, what wh- what is it that people object to about relationships uh, for people who are like you know of very different ages for example um is it like an experience thing is it a physical thing what is it exactly and i so i think that's those are some interesting things that um the the movie you know it, it creates an interesting scenario where i think these questions are raised that that i found fascinating
2: uh, the frustrating thing about that for me, because I I totally agree, Scott, is that it just that the film doesn't give you any space to breathe and like ask yourself those questions and really digest. It. And I think that's yeah. where I found it a little bit more frustrating. But that's not that's not contrary to what you're saying. Um, but yeah, that's that was one of the frustrating parts, I think.
0: Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. But um, before we get into some of the you know themes, plot, whatever in this movie, I do want to take a second to talk about just the technical you know aspects of the movie um obviously we talked about they spent a lot on visual effects it won best visual effects at the oscars i'm sure they spent
2: just as much money on makeup too just the amount yeah pure amount of makeup they must have used in this film prosthetics and things
0: the makeup um yeah it is you know they they use solely makeup right like this is not what we saw with the irishman with the actual de-aging technology um so i'm just curious to know i mean you know from both of you particularly scott since you have seen the irishman jay i don't think you've seen the irishman have you okay yeah. Like well, how did you feel that it compared to you know the de-aging technology in the Irishman? Like do you think you would rather see studios doing the, the Irishman route? Or like is it fine to just brute force this with makeup?
2: Well, I think that it's a little bit of a different beast. I mean, you can't have seventy plus year old Robert De Niro playing a thirty year like you can't make up him into a thirty year old version of himself, I don't think. I mean Look, I, I, you can do magical things with makeup. I could be very wrong about this, but yeah, I think that it's probably not as feasible to do what the Irishman was trying to do. Whereas, like Brad Pitt, who I mean, I don't know his, his exact age when this movie was made, but he's probably what thirty-five, thirty or thirty-five years old, maybe a little older, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's an age where it's really easy to like flex up and down in either direction with makeup, right? It's not like you're on one end of the spectrum and trying to get to the other, so. I mean, fr- I mean, frankly, it works better in this film. Like, the makeup is so good. Like, it's so realistic, so good. I I thought that it was... I mean, look, like, if I didn't know when this film was made and then I watched the film and you told me... And, like, I see Brad Pitt for the first time at whatever age that's supposed to be, like, 60 or whatever, I'd be like, that could be Brad Pitt. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that could be 60-year-old Brad Pitt. And you watch some of those scenes in The Irishman, Scott, and, and no matter how you feel about, I think, about the movie overall, like, some of those films look ridiculous or some of the scenes look ridiculous with like Robert De Niro look the body like a,
0: movements are what, what exactly. Are yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. E- exactly. Or like Robert De Niro is like playing a 25 year old trying to like curb stomp a guy on the street. And yeah, he's an 80 year old. <laughs> he can't do it, you know, can't physically do it. Um But that, I mean, it, you could argue that that would be the same with makeup as well, right? Like he, yeah. uh, that's not something that, um that is unique to, I think the visual effects, de aging, up aging. I, I don't seem to have as big a problem or I don't find it as distracting as, a lot of critics at least like to say that they find it distracting the de-aging technology. Like I think it can be done well. Yeah. I think the Irishman did it fine. I certainly think that. I this... mean,
0: I, I forgot about it after a certain point in the Irishman.
2: Like... Yeah. Well, cause you don't have to look at 25 year old Robert De Niro anymore, but, um, well, yeah, but, but yeah, but I think overall, like I think this film does it right. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with using alternative actors, right? It's a very small portion of the film this film does when they when they're not using Brad Pitt. It's, it's a little different for Kate Blanchett, I guess. Although seven year old eight L fanning. I was, hello, fanning even, fanning I was so surprised to see her in this movie. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, overall, I think this movie did it better, but this movie was all also allowed it self to be better at that because it wasn't casting people in their seventies or eighties, I think Joe Pesci is in his eighties, right? Um, playing these people who are, are meant to, at some point in the film, be in their twenties or thirties. And I think that if you had like Robert Towers, who plays like the oldest version of Benjamin Button, trying to play 20 year old version of Benjamin, that would look stupid. That would look silly. Like it wouldn't work. Um, so I, I think that it's just the, it's it, it's almost the production choices of the film, right? Just to, to cast people, uh, cast different people at the different at the far ends of the spectrum of life um, and have someone who can do it all in the middle and the Irishman chose to go a different route and I think that that route just works a little bit less
0: yeah the, uh, the other uh, the other joke that I made when I in my letterbox review was that the way uh, Kat, putting Brad Pitt in this role right makes it so that it makes sense right when he becomes Brad Pitt that Kate Blanchett
2: is like oh maybe I actually love you like after all
0: these years yeah i actually love you now that you look like brad pitt but uh, perfect
2: brad pitt can't see me like this in the hospital yeah
0: yeah um i actually think and i actually think he was like 45 or so during this because i think he's like 56 or 57 now but um anyway jay what what were your thoughts on the, the makeup you know not having the comparison point maybe of like the age aging technology and some more modern films
1: yeah, I mean that's just it, right? I don't really have the the comparison point there, and you know, I I refer to it as moderately distracting earlier, and you know, maybe that's just because I don't know, I'm like a critic or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, it, it it doesn't take me out of it too much, and again, it you know, it really is the, you know, again, like I talk about Brad Pitt's facial features and like again, Cate Blanche's voice, like it really is the performances that sell me yeah. on like the age more than you know the makeup or the you know lack of tech or whatnot. So yeah, no no real comparison point there for me you know it's, it's just something i had to like accept as part of the yeah. brad pitt was time. 45
2: when the movie came out but it probably was shot a few years before that so early 40s yeah there
1: you go uh, yeah
0: i mean look i think i've seen the film that has the worst makeup of all time which is jay edgar um and so i i any any time i don't I do see my boy leo that like that Extensive extensive makeup well it, it wasn't me that did leo like that it was whoever did the makeup for this movie they made him look absolutely heinous when he was older but um but uh so so every time i see a movie with like extensive makeup like this and aging makeup specifically because that's what the problem is in jay edgar um uh, i'm like oh well it's not that bad but no i think i agree with scott i think it's actually quite good here um like you know you you barely notice it um i think like you know, you could you could definitely see like Brad Pitt in the older version of himself, but it's not like distracting or anything like that. Um, and yeah, but I also agree with Jay that I think the performances do a really good job of selling the aging, which, you know, is is not, you know, is it, not easy to do. That's that's a more, I think, subtle um, detail to the performance that I think really takes them to another level. Um, is that I mean, is that still Kate Blanchett in the in the bed in the hospital bed okay but is it her voice okay. no i mean i guess it wouldn't be right okay but anyway we
2: still do hear her voice Wait, actually wait that. hold on
1: it, it might be
2: it actually might be yeah. i think it
1: is that was the whole point i was making before too. i didn't want to be like you know have my foot in my mouth when talking about yeah her. no it, it's i think her. you're right the only they played there are two versions of her like as a child like there are two kid actors and then she yeah. plays every other version from like I don't, okay I guess, like, yeah that's wild yeah that's what i'm saying See, like you could, you don't. We didn't even
0: notice. Like that's, I mean, that's good makeup for me right there. Like you just see an old, an old person. Uh, so I thought that. Was <laughs> you don't even see a list superstar Kate yeah. Blanchett. You
2: just see an old person. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, what is Kate Blanchett going to look like when she's older? I don't know, but probably not Kate Blanchett anymore. But um, also, weird take maybe for me, but I, I thought this film was just begging for Jessica Chastain to play this role. But of Daisy? Yeah, yeah maybe yeah.
0: That, that. I think it would have fit with every other role that she plays, but anyway, um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I, I mean, I think she, she does a, a really good job with the, the vocal tics and stuff like, uh, like Jay is saying, even though I think her accent is a little woo, all over the place, but, but I would think it's good though. Yeah. And Taraji Henson's is, is good as well, but, uh, I think, um, I think Kate Blanchett was all over the place, but she's also Australian trying to do a Cajun accent or whatever. did probably not come naturally to her, but, um, with that, guys, I think we can move on maybe to some of the more specific ideas, um, what what ideas there are in this film. Um, and I, so I want to start with something that I brought up earlier, um, which is, you know, just the idea of sort of what is age, right? Is it is it something physical? Um, is it uh, knowledge? Is it experience? Is it like time spent on the earth? What exactly is it, right? Because this, this movie is obviously, uh, maybe trying to de-emphasize the physical aspect of age um, because you have someone who's old, very old, but doesn't really know anything about, um, you know, the, the world necessarily, who is basically a child in, in their mind. Um, and, and, but then, you know, and, and, and you know, it reverses everything basically. What to say. But um, what, what did you guys think if that the film was saying about this, if anything? Um, Jay, we'll start with you.
1: I mean, I I have to kind of agree with what Scott said earlier in that I'm not sure that it gives us like a real answer. I mean, maybe it's not meant to, and you know, there, there's certainly plenty of food for thought. But I think my takeaway from it is, you know, there's a 50 to 60 year range that if both people are within, we can at the very least accept it, if not ship it. And you know, I I, I think, I mean, in the in the you know in the last hour of the film, it, it seems like it actually maybe does push like the physical but for different reasons namely that you know as brad pitt starts to like you know become a child like there's you know a certain level of like i mean they don't really touch on like the fact that you know it would look strange that people might not accept it but just the fact that like physically like you know she would have to be like taking care like you know changing his diaper and like you know not in the way that you know she was like oh we all you know end up in diapers like well it's not the same like he's literally to be like you know an infant with dementia um so, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know that we ever really get, like, a concrete answer. It seems like, you know, we start with time on Earth. Um, and, you know, eventually, you know, I, get, I think, you know, in the middle, end up somewhere around experience. And which, I guess, is, you know, directly tied to time on Earth. And by the end, it's like, all right, wait, we have to, like... I mean, and again, maybe this wouldn't have been a thing if, he, if the two of them hadn't had a child. But, like, you know, it seems like the physical aspect of it does come back, you know, into importance in a way that, you know, it, it wasn't... You know, when he was, I'm uh, just ballparking here like 60 and she was, you know, in her early 20s, the first time when, you know, they're like by the water and she's like dancing and, you know, asked to go home with him and she's just like, not tonight.
0: Yeah, she asked because he now looks like Brad Pitt. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Scott, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I think the, I'm, <laughs> I am I think this is a, a common thing for me with Fincher with films is that I think he's like, he's like really like trying to ask these like really interesting questions. And I don't always feel like he gets all the way there in some, in some of the movies or he decides like halfway through, like actually really, really want to do is I just want to make it like a fun movie or something like that. Right. Like I think he, he like, he makes like half hearted attempts to ask these questions. And I think that he gets a little bit further in this film, but again, doesn't quite get all the way there. I, I, I don't, I think I agree with Jay here. I, I think that it's asking this question of, you know, what like, like that like exactly what you said. like what is age like is it this it, it's almost like this spiritual thing right like i think that's i think it can almost say what this movie is trying to say is that it's not, not i don't know not not to be like super like millennial or like hippie or whatever but it's like it's like this holistic approach to like like your body and your and your health right like it's not just one thing or the other it's it's like the combination intersection of all these things and it's mind you know, body and experience, right? Like however you want to define or describe that. And so at the beginning of his life, there's this like really hard, massive contrast between his experience and his body, right? Like right. he has had no experience and his body conveys that he's had all experiences in life, right? And and it's this really difficult thing early on to, to, to wed. And I don't think they explore it honestly very much early on other than the fact that, there's this not quite irony around. He lives in a nursing home and he's an infant basically, Uh, which is also true at the end, ironically, I guess. But uh, I think that it doesn't really offer too much of an answer to that question until you get to the center part of the movie where everything kind of aligns and is normal for this very brief period of like normal and air quotes there for like a very brief period of time. And then, Again, I think it, it goes off obviously in the other direction at the end of the film, and you have this teenager or young, you know, pre like adolescent boy with dementia, right? And I think that it's a bit of a head scratcher because I mean at that point in the movie, there's like five minutes left in the film. So there's not like really much you can even do with it there. But to me, I think again it, it's almost another like half hearted thematic attempt to like ask an interesting question, but never really explore it or give you time to really digest it. Um And so I'm, I'm left thinking, I'm not really sure what the answer is. And maybe there's not an answer. I'd like to think that, that David Fincher has an answer to this question. Maybe he's not trying to force it down your throat in the film, but like, I'd like to think that he has an answer to this question, but I'm also not sure that he does. Um, But this, this feels like the type of question where most people are going to have an opinion on this, right? Like, uh, you're not. I, I don't like. The, I don't. I, I don't imagine David Pinterest, the the professor in class who poses like an unanswerable question. Just like, hmm, I'll let you guys think about this one. Just like leaves the room or whatever. But it kind of feels like that's often what he's doing sometimes, um, in a I don't know a less judicious way.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not saying that anything is super fleshed out in the movie, but I think the things I was thinking about when watching this were kind of. Uh, the, the idea so sort of what Scott is getting at right the, the disparity between your body and, and your experience like I think there's kind of a question like what what would you what would it be like if you could hit your physical prime and also like your mental prime at like the exact same time right? because by the time Brad Pitt is hitting like his like you know physical form, whatever that is like you know when he is young and like in the best shape or whatever. He's, he's like actually like mentally like 50 or 60 years old, probably. Um, and um, obviously, you know, we, people living life in a linear fashion don't get that. And I, I think, you know, in, in 20 years, there may be like, there, there's always a tendency, right? And this is where the whole clock thing comes in as well, which I want to get to in a second. But like, there's always a tendency of like, oh, if we could go back and do things differently at this point in our life, Um you know maybe things would have worked out so much better or whatever like it, in 20 years or something maybe we'll like we, we as people will have so much more knowledge or experience or whatever uh for having lived in the world for 45 years or whatever um that i'm sure there will be times when we'll be like oh man i just wish i could go back and be in college again knowing what i do now or whatever um you know i i think that everyone has felt that before everyone has felt that tendency but i think what this film kind of posits and i again, maybe they should have gone further down this road but i think what's interesting about it is hey let's say you could go back right let's let's say you could do it exactly as you wanted to like your life is pretty much still going to be the same or is going to play out in a very similar way to someone who lives their life in a linear fashion i mean yeah, okay, there's weird things that go on with his physical features, whatever. But, you know, his life goes through a lot of the, you know, same um, trajectory as as someone who's living linear, linearly, like um, there, it's just that there's this disparity between him and everyone else. But, you know, he starts as, he still kind of starts with like the mind of an infant and, you know, he ends up with the mind of an infant again, which unfortunately is the reality for a lot of people as they age, right? Um, that they experience the kind of dementia he's experiencing at the end of the film. And so, um, and, and, you know, along the way, his life is filled with all the, you know, sadness, joy, whatever, um, that everyone else experiences in their own life. So I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of thought that, uh, you know, he was trying to say, we always wish we could do something differently, but there's always going to be sadness, heartbreak. There's always going to be everything, every emotion in life, um, you know, regardless of, of how you're living it, regardless of when you hit your prime or whatever, um, which I think is an interesting idea. Um, I, yeah, maybe I wish you would have gone further with it, but that was kind of the things I was thinking about as I watched it. Okay, guys, with that, you know, I alluded to it just a second ago, but I wanted to get kind of what, what were y'all's thoughts about the whole clock analogy that was going on? Because right? obviously the film kind of opens up with the older Daisy talking about this clockmaker who his son dies in the war, right? And so he tries to set the clock backwards to to spin backwards um, so that he can, you know, bring back his son or whatever. Um, And then the film ends right with the same image of the clock spinning backwards after, um, after Brad Pitt and and Kate Blanchett died. Um, what, What did you guys think that was, Kind of trying to to symbolize. I, I think I sort of gave some of my thoughts, but Scott, do you think there was any anything deeper to it?
2: You're put you're outing me on this one, Scott. I didn't get it. I don't. I didn't really understand okay. understand the point of the point of it. um I, I'm not saying that there isn't a point to it. I, I, I really sometimes I will go out on a limb and say I don't think there's a point to something, but I don't think I got this on on a first watch. And I think it's it's an interesting way to start the movie I think it actually might even be have been a good way to start the movie, but I guess by the end of it and going back to the imagery at the end, um, like, like beyond saying something like even like it it feels like even, I mean, obviously it's a metaphor for Brad Pitt's aging. I mean, it's very on the nose in that sense, but it's like even a clock that runs backward, like stops working one day, right? Like even something that's not pushing forward through time, uh, in a traditional sense um like breaks down and dies because like the the clock is getting flooded in the hurricane katrina right like it's gonna yeah. it's going to be destroyed um and they'd already taken it down anyway but yeah i, I mean I, may, maybe that is the maybe that is the the overall meaning there just to try to emphasize the point that you know even even things that that go backwards that don't move forward through time like we expect things traditionally they all have the same endpoint. Essentially, they all also come to an end, but I don't know if maybe there's something deeper there that you were seeing, Scott, but that's, I, I didn't get too much deeper than, than that. And I don't want to go on a limb and say that there isn't something deeper than that there.
0: No, I, I'm, I mean, I, that's kind of what I was, I was saying. I think the fact that, Hey, you know, you can, you can set the clock backwards, right? You can uh, go back and maybe do your life the way that you thought that, Hey, things would be better if I did it this way. Um, but you're still going to experience all the same stuff that everyone experiences during um, their, you know, a linear life, and yeah, it, it has the same endpoint, um, and that is, you know, death, whatever. That is the clock getting destroyed at the end. Um, that was kind of what I took
2: away from it. Jade. Well, 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 what about the clock? Well, what about the clockmaker though? I mean, like clearly that Mister well, Gateau or whatever is supposed to be, but, but like he's supposed to mean something. Well, I mean, I think it's right. The
0: whole like wish fulfillment aspect of this, right? Because he sets the the clock yeah. backwards so that he can bring his son back or whatever, just in, in yep. this, like, because that, you know, that's the whole, like, if I could do this one thing in life again, I would like, you know, stop my son from going off to war or whatever. I would somehow prevent this from happening. Um, and so I, I, that's, that's where that part of it comes in, right? The whole idea that, hey, here, here are things that we wish would have happened differently or, or, you know, if we could go back in time, whatever, we could do something differently to prevent something tragic from happening. but no tragic things happen always. Uh, Jay, what do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. I also thought of it, I mean, to bring in the the architect of the clockmaker um, Gatow, like, I mean, like, you know, this, his part of it is like pretty on the nose in terms of like it being, you know, a symbol for like, kind of being stuck right like whether it be in the past or like you know like hung up by this one decision or this one event um this one like I guess like facet of life and you know thinking about how that kind of does translate over to you know our, our two main characters I mean Brad Pitt obviously you know again like in you know in the most literal sense like his clock is moving backwards and he you know when he has to choose to leave his daughter is kind of you know like stuck uh you know, with that choice, not that not that choice, but that, you know, that reality, you know, in the same way that Gato was. And in the case of Kate Blanchett, you know, she struggles for a bit after she uh, breaks her leg in five places and like, you know, can no longer be a dancer. And there's this sense of, you know, like trying to get that back as well. And like, you know, for a while, like it, it feels like, you know, until she has that, like, you know, coming to peace moment, uh, as, Brad, uh, as Benjamin Button describes it, you know, like very much being like hung up by that or like stuck in the past, like with that you know, it feels like that, that idea that I guess, you know, starts with like Gato and, you know, the loss of his son and, you know, the kind of the building of his clock as, you know, like just a reminder, you know, that like, you know, fate is cruel and like, you know, you could be stuck at like any point from like, you know, the Ren, like, you know, any, like, you know, it's anything, you know, kind of carries over with these two. And again, you know, they, they really do like play that, that scene out when Kate Blanchard breaks her leg, right. It's like, I mean, five-ish minutes of, you know, if one thing had just gone differently, like, you know, it, it it seems like an extended version of the, you know, if I had just stopped my son from going to war.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think, there and there's that whole monologue at the end, right before we see the clock again, of like him talking about, well, there are, along your life, there are some people you meet who are like, there are some people who are boat captains. There are some people who dance, who some some people who do all that, which I thought could have been really interesting if we had a better sense of some of who these characters were. Like most of the yes. characters that he was describing, I was just like, okay. But I mean, I think like, because, you know, we get what, 10 minutes of Jared Harris, like even less of some of the people that he brings up. But I Love think- Love
2: Jared Harris though.
0: Yeah, he, he was fun. But, um, but I think that- maybe what he's getting at right is like it's about re- regardless of what direction your life goes in like temporally it's about the way that you choose to d- to spend your life that's what defines you right do you, do you spend it studying shakespeare like mahershala ali do you spend it dancing like kate blanchett whatever that is that is who ultimately determines who you are um you know it, it's it's not the passage of time it's not who you are physically um Yeah, but uh, that's kind of what I took took away from that. But again, like interesting ideas, not not fully followed through on because I think there was just so much story to tell that like you get to the end of the story and it's like, well, we got to end the movie now because it's been three hours. We don't have time to like actually reflect too much on what we've seen. But
2: yeah, uh, yeah, and I also think that I, I I know that I know what you're saying here and what the that end scene was trying to do. But it, it didn't work for me. I think yeah. that anything, it felt like it blunted the impact of a very emotional scene at the end of the movie here. You know, in spite of how fleeting some of the moments were, it did have, a, it, you know, that last scene did land. I think, well, I shouldn't say last scene, but like the penultimate scene landed. And then to have this sort of monologue with the clock getting flooded in the background. I, I understand it might be a good like thematic closure to the movie. But I'm just like, eh, this really it, just feels like it blunts the impact of of your of your big emotional scene.
0: This might be a weird comparison, but it was like a total Mass Effect 3 ending to me where it's like we've had this whole journey with the characters and you're going to like choose this really sort of protracted brief, uh, well, not protracted, that's that's the wrong word. But you know what I mean? Uh, like brief sort of very on the nose, like it's hey, some people dance, some people learn Shakespeare, or whatever. That's how you're going to sum it up with this, like, you know, in in a split second, something that isn't super Deep, even though it could have been, right? It could have been, but it's it's not. Like I, I don't know. It it just felt like a very sort of tidy way to to sum up, you know, this very messy life story that we've seen over the course of this movie.
2: Yeah. But yeah. I agree. It would have been better off not having it. Yeah. Um
0: so so I do want to ask y'all you know, though, because I think Scott and I have both said that um we think the Benjamin and Daisy relationship is pretty strong, and um, that is, you know, the highlight of the movie. Maybe once the movie starts focusing on this relationship more in the last hour or so, is when it is at at its strongest. Um, so, I guess I just want to ask, uh, maybe as a final point here, what uh, about the relationship worked for you, like what, or didn't work for you, like what was it the the strongest part of the film, um, or? You know, did you still feel like you were missing something here? Because it does try to cover so much time, um, you know, in the relationship between these people in a short amount of time in the movie. Jay.
1: I mean, why not both? Um, In that, I mean, yeah, it it, it was the strongest point for me. Um, And I didn't feel like, you know, maybe that, like the relationship itself was missing too much. I mean, you know, again, if if we make this a miniseries and, you know, we don't go, you know, like 10 minutes over multiple years, uh, you know, for for different parts of the movie, you know, between, like, you know, when he goes to see her in uh, New York and then she breaks her leg, and, like, you know, like, again, like that's that's all glossed over very quickly, and I know that, you know, not much necessarily happens, but, again, like, there is just a lot of, you know, skipping through that. I mean, that being said, you know, it it does still, like, work for me, you know, it it really does tug at the heartstrings that last hour, and I mean, mean, maybe this is what was, like, I think most frustrating for me, maybe why I call it, like, a swing and a miss is, like, I think at the end, like, you know, it, it like it, it, really does work. But I think back to like, you know, how like, that again, maybe the first hour and a half, if not two hours, you know, it took us to like, kind of get there, you know, it, it, I, I realize I'm going like two different tangents now, but
2: well, I think, I think what Jay's saying is that he doesn't feel like the film earned it at the end
1: yeah i mean well like weirdly like it still works like like and and i mean maybe that that's why i'm annoyed Is like you know it it worked like i I was sad as shit after that but (laughs) it didn't feel you know necessarily like it should have earned it yeah thank you for putting that in words
2: sky do you have anything to add there yeah look i don't disagree with what jay is saying here I, i i i I've been wrestling with this, and I've been—I was thinking about that with the the little amount of time that I've had between finishing the film and we start recording. I've been thinking about the relationship, right? Because, like I said, like I, I, there were moments that were quite emotional at the end of the film for me, and it it all centers around that relationship. But, and and I think this speaks to Jay's point. I think a couple of the reasons why it's emotional is not necessarily because of the of the relationship and the experiences that you see them have but because of the like where your imagination takes their relationship or what you assume to be true about their relationship and like the like this whole I mean the idea of these people who only have a couple fleeting years together right and literal fleeting moments in the film because yeah. it's, it's it's skating over it so quickly and then they spend tr- like years like decades apart almost right like uh, it's not exactly clear how many years it is but it, it feels like at least like 10 20 plus years. Apart and they come back together. And then this person who, you know, you know, Kate Blanchett's character who loved Brad Pitt's character here, Daisy, who loved Benjamin, is literally rocking him to sleep every night and watching him age into nothing, like de-age into nothingness almost. And that's like that's like a really emotional thing, but that's not. Like I almost say like that that's not anything to do with the characters themselves, though. yeah, and I think and I think that's a little I think that's the tough thing that I'm having a hard time wrapping around. I think the performances get you there, but it's not the the characterization of the characters themselves that do too much for that. And and when I think a little bit more about Daisy as a female character, I think she's certainly better than some of the characters female characters on screen. But I'm not even sure Daisy is that strong of a female character overall. I think she's an interesting one, certainly but i don't think that we'd call her in the range of like Jodie foster from panic room or or even you know anne hathaway from interstellar I, I think that she's you know like a solidly average female character but she seems to be driven a lot by this like i don't know desire for a relationship with at different times different times of people and i think that that changes subtly that but like so many other aspects of this film, you just don't get to explore any of that. Like all the things that I think we're imagining about their relationship and and what gets you to that emotional impact. Like all the things very well could be true. You just never get the chance to actually explore them in the film. And so I think all that's to say, and to hammer, to hammer home Jay's point, where I, I think I agree with him, is that does the film earn those emotional crescendos at the end of the film? I'm not sure that the film and the characters themselves do, but the story, and and I think this is where the subtle difference is. I think the story that Fincher has told is powerful, right? Like it's it's maybe not in the yeah. individual characters, but the ideas that he's telling. And I think that his his strength as a filmmaker comes out there um, with the material that maybe leaves something. Um, I shouldn't say that the material is something to be desired, but with the that almost like the structure of the film itself um, is so abbreviated in the story that it's trying to tell that it, it can't help but um, not earn its emotional impact at the end i don't know
0: yeah i mean i I was going to kind of make a similar point to you scott that i think there's not a lot of specificity necessarily in not at all it comes to these specific these characters right because and part of it is like we don't we really don't get much of their early relationship like what their relationship is like when don't get any of their relationship she's a child he is an old dude um i mean there's just very very brief moments or whatever so i think like look i keep making the joke but there is a sense of like oh, he's Brad Pitt now, now actually I love him, whatever. Which I think is just a little bit awkward. But but yeah, like I think it is not the fact that these characters are in this situation that is making us feel the emotional impact. It is the situation itself. It is it, imagining what it would be like for any two people who yeah. loved each other to be in this situation. Um, where yeah, one is getting older, the other is getting younger. And also it's the performances and the, you know, good filmmaker, a filmmaker who knows what he's doing, um, that I think are, are the reasons why, yeah, it, it ultimately works. Um, I, I think he, he salvages, um, you know, a lot of what he set up in the, the last hour. Um, even if, yeah, this, this movie doesn't have the specificity of, of character that a better film would have. Um, yeah. But yeah, like when you're in good hands, you're in good hands. And I think Fincher and his actors here, you know, get, get, get it, get the boat across the finish line. They, they make it work, but um, yeah. uh, All right, guys, before we wrap up anything else that anyone wants to say about this movie? Nope. All right. Well, let's get into our favorite. We'll definitely keep this shorter than, uh, than the movie was then, uh, or than Benjamin's life was for sure. Um, Uh, jay we'll start with you
2: thankfully we won't be spending 80 years on this
0: podcast it's been 84 years um jay what was your favorite scene or moment from curious case of benjamin button it's
1: actually one that you uh brought up earlier it's when um he walks into the studio and you know kate blanche is kind of struggling with her move and then you know they take that moment to look the money uh, shot in the mirror you know remember this moment yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it worked. And again, you know, she says, I'm pregnant, and my heart just sinks. Like, you know, and I'm like, oh, no. I mean, like, and, you know, you kind of, I mean, at this point, like, I, I mean, I've already seen the movie, too. But I feel like you kind of figured out where this is going. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, that, that like, you know, that, like, moment of just, like, silence right before she says, I'm pregnant. I'm just like, all right, like, remembering this, things, like, finally worked out for these two. And then, you know, bomb But dropped. did they, yeah. Uh, Scott, how about you?
2: Yeah, I, I guess just before I go into my scene, I, I, I'm actually thinking more about this and I'm getting more frustrated because I actually think... <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rewinding a little bit here. It's like, like Daisy's character is so frustrating, right? Like she cheats on her husband to like spend a night with with Brad Pitt's character again. I think this goes to the point you were making, Scott. Like, is she, does she love Benjamin Button for being Benjamin? Or, <laughs> or does she love Benjamin because he's Brad Pitt? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that really gives a, a weird flavor. Like, like I, I just think that Daisy's actually like probably not that great of a character but i'm getting hung up on that maybe a little bit but yeah oh oh, uh, jay's what jay was calling out there just made me think about that a little bit more but my favorite scene or moment um (laughs) i i so i really liked the war the war stuff i thought it was hilarious when like jared harris's character gets like completely blown away and the boat is just like full steam ahead into the submarine and then like crashes into the submarine and and you know, sinks a U-boat, right? <laughs> um, I thought that was pretty funny, but I won't go with that with my favorite scene. I, I do think there are some really powerful moments and and I have a hard time picking any of them in the last hour of the movie just because they're so fleeting. I, I really can't emphasize that enough. Like there's so there's so much potential to talk about what like Daisy and Benjamin's daughter is feeling as she discovers like who her real biological father is. Like exactly what's going on in, in brad pitt's head what's going on in kate head? why kate blanchett makes all these decisions in the back half of her life which you just it's just left to assume so many things and it's so difficult i think to get there on a lot of them so i have a hard time picking one of the scenes but just for the creative filmmaking aspect to give some credit to finchier i think um it might be easy to gloss over and we have glossed over for for not insignificant part of this discussion I, i think that the scene that you guys were talking about earlier around all the different things that could have happened that have been different I think that it is really easy to mess that scene up horribly yeah. and make it just like what make you want to hit your head against a wall. Um, I maybe I'm just speaking for myself here because I I generally don't like those kinds of scenes, but I think he does it really well, right? Like I, I find it really interesting. It's it's visually the mo- one of the more stylish parts of the movie, uh, the way that it's the way that it's captured and the way that it's then edited and, and, and put on screen. And I think that um, something that we haven't talked about at all, but like for the most part, except for the, you know, very, very last moments of the film, I don't mind the voiceover narration very much. And I think yeah. that it captures uh, a lot of these different elements of the filmmaking and, and some of the stylistic choices of the film kind of perfectly in like about a, what, a few minute scene.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause I think you understand why the voiceover is there, right? It's, it's the older Daisy telling the story, but, um, sure. but yeah. yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, Jay stole my scene. I'm going to say it anyway because I think it's a great, great scene. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there are some other scenes I like, you know, when he goes to the dance, or is it the dance studio? I don't know, wherever he goes and he sees them later, right? He sees his daughter growing studio. up. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and he sees the older Daisy. I think that's a really good scene. Um, when Queenie dies, uh, I, that's a good scene too, and they find that out. But um, but yeah, I, I think that scene is is shows, you know, what, maybe what the movie could have been um if it had chose to maybe even hone in on this relationship even more um because i think there's a real there are so many little emotions that are being expressed in that pause that jay talked about like you know there's this should be a joyous moment but there's an uncertainty there's a sadness there's a you know he's probably not going to get to see his child grow up or whatever um type of thing um yeah so so i i think that's a really moving scene and um Conveys a lot of what I wish maybe the rest of the movie would have explored more. But
2: uh, I will say one of the comedic points in the movie was early on. Even though I thought I found most of the early parts of the film really boring, is that when she takes, um, when Taraji P Henson's character Queenie takes um, Benjamin to like church for the first time, and like uh, for I guess it was for communion probably, but then like the preacher like tries to get him to stand up and walk, and then yeah. the preacher just has a heart attack and dies. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah. Um...
0: All right, let's put a score on it. Jay, what would you give The Curious Case of Benjamin
2: Button between 5 and 10?
1: 6.6. <laughs> 6. All right. Uh, Scott, how about you?
2: That's higher than I expected him to go. Yeah. 6.3. 7. I probably 4. should go lower than that, to be honest, but yeah. 6.3. No, no.
0: 7.4 for me. I, I still like the film. I think it's just it's a really hard film to make, right? I think, I think you could still have done a better job than Fincher does here, but I think... He makes a better version than ninety-five percent of filmmakers probably would have made with what is very difficult material to deal with here. So I I, I respect the effort and I think he has plenty of success, um, but also, you know, some some fairly major shortcomings as well that keep this from being top tier. So
2: seven point four for me. So guys, hear me out. Curious case of Benjamin Button, but, but. Christopher Nolan. Oh God! Yeah, I had no, okay. no, I had now, and now y'all,
0: of y'all can <laughs> the film of all time.
2: <laughs> no, I could not imagine Chris Nolan making this film.
0: The top was still spinning. At least uh, it would. Okay. be At least the
2: film would have been interesting. I mean, geez. Oh good um, <laughs> Oh, no, here go. Yeah. You can do I'm no kidding, wrong, I'm kidding. I'm, um, kidding I'm kidding.
0: I know. Uh, all right. Uh, with that, I think we can conclude this episode of uh, the Fincher Countdown. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to check out uh, everything uh, that we have uh, with some like it's Scott and Media Plug Podcasts. Uh, Patreon.com slash Media Podcasts uh, is our Patreon. You can support us over there. Also, rate, review, subscribe, do all the things that you do on your preferred podcast app. Uh, check out everything else we have in addition to the Countdown series, some like it Scott every week champs launch every few weeks or so. Um, And, uh, and we hope you will be back for our next episode of the Fincher countdown on which we will, we will be reviewing uh, David Fincher's 2010 Oscar winning drama, the social network. Uh, But until then for Scott Shelton and Jay Habib, I'm Scott Harvey. See you next time.
2: Enjoy the social network music.